The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcasts. Ho, 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 Adam. It's it's Christmas time. It's the holiday season. A time for hanging stockings, filling them up with goodies, placing presents under the tree, and telling the people in our lives that we love them or hate them. Uh, and it's also a time for talking about Brewers' hot stove moves. We'll get into... What's been, you know, a relatively busy week, nothing groundbreaking or something that really shakes up how we feel about the 2024 season. But enough about that. How are you on this week leading up to Christmas? I'm doing well, Andrew. I've had a couple of busy weeks. I've been, I'm I'm really living the Andrew Snyder lifestyle, which I think is starting to have a lasting damage on me. We could talk about that publicly at a later date. Um, but yeah, I've been places. I've been eventing pretty hard across different countries. And it's maybe taking so somewhat. I'm a little tired, so I'm excited for some downtime. Come up to Christmas. I can nearly see it. And I guess I'm also happy to see the Brewers are starting to kind of do some stuff. And we had planned to record it this time from earlier in the day. 
and then some news came along that made it even kind of more worth our while. And honestly, these could be famous last words, but I do feel like might be kickstarting or kind of showing us the Brewers moving up a gear in terms of their off-season dealings. Yeah, moving pieces around the chessboard to potentially put some other pieces on the chessboard, both from within the organization and outside the organization. Um, yeah, we, you and I have kind of been in like role reversal mo- mode in a, a certain uh, lights the last few weeks or so. Like I'm just sitting here fake working, crunching Todd Haynes movies, and you're just like at a different stadium every day. So it's uh, it's been kind of a uh, we freaky Friday one another to a degree, Adam. Um, yeah, I guess we'll go chronologically um, by some of these moves, and then we'll end the podcast by uh, you know talking about some reporting that's been out there. And then I think, uh, you know, the the key to sustaining uh, a baseball podcast over the, the long winter is to figure out wh- when you've got windows to build in content. So position player grades, both outfield, infield, coming at a later date. We'll get there, we promise. Uh, although some of that conversation is relevant to a move that was made today. Uh, but we'll start uh, with the move from the, the furthest back. Actually, I'll start with one thing that's just like a, a note, and that was Devin Williams making the all MLB uh, second team. Uh, the MLB did a pretty poor job in marketing this event because I didn't know it was happening until it was on. I guess it was, you know, their award show in Vegas. Uh, maybe I'm just not as plugged in as I used to be, but uh, another uh, award for Devin, who obviously won the National League Leader of the Year award and well deserved. I mean, they got an A plus in our bullpen grades. Um, but the Brewers have added uh, to the bullpen options for the 2024 season. They acquired Taylor Clark from the Kansas City Royals. Uh, going the other way in that trade was Cam Devaney, who spent most of last season at Nashville, um, hit 271, 362, 461. But a guy that I guess is not profiling as someone they expect to be in the big league, big league mix. Um, and also involved in that trade, um, going the other way was what was his name was it ryan brady uh this article i'm looking at just shows his last name that's uh a bit of a strange move yep ryan brady Brady. yeah ryan brady uh a pitcher um uh clark is uh, a bullpen arm uh hasn't had a ton of success at the big league level uh 279 and a third innings across five different seasons the 503 era um and you know this kind of is what we see the brewers tend to do often which is take on a project in the bullpen, you know, a la a Trevor McGill or a Hobie Milner way back when, or whoever it may be, uh, Bryce Wilson last year comes to mind. Uh, get them into the the system and the, the pitching lab and see if they can hone in on some pitches that really work for them and turn them into a quality major league reliever. The most important thing when it comes to Taylor Clark is he does have an option. So a guy that you would imagine if, you know, if the bullpen goes as planned in spring training, he's a guy that will be at Nashville and be one injury or bit of poor performance uh, away from being called up to the big leagues. He's uh, there's a slider, four seamer, a sweeper and a changeup. So interesting pitch mix there um, would be intrigued to peel back the curtain behind the lab and see which of those pitches they find uh, most enticing. Yeah, I mean, I I think we talked on the last pod about how it felt like the bullpen was kind of probably pretty set and 
we'll see what way they do things. We'll see what they like um out there. If there's anything else to take a flyer on, I guess this is a flyer they'll take, and we'll see what it amounts to. Um, I feel like we do a lot of that, particularly around pitchers and bullpen guys, and I guess part of that is just the nature of that role. <laughs> in Major League Baseball, but another part of it is that the Brewers have earned some trust to a large extent where we could be surprised and there's probably, I feel safe in saying, I can't think of the examples off the top of my head, but there are probably guys who came to be very, very effective for the Brewers who we have already like effectively written off at the time the Brewers picked them up, particularly in a bullpen capacity. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what Taylor Clark brings to the table. I mean... We're going to talk about some trades that have kind of um, interestingly skewed returns from one side to the other. And this is part and parcel of baseball. Um, But this is one where it doesn't really feel like the Brewers gave up much of anything. So, sure, why not? Yeah, Ryan Brady, undrafted free agent um, out of BYU. They signed him, um, I think, after the 2022 um, or right before the 2022 season. Uh, has performed well across different levels um, uh, with Brewers Blue in the ACL in 2022 and then across Biloxi and was, uh, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers in 2023. Uh, has a career uh, 267 um, ERA and works out of the bullpen. Uh, so, yeah, that's the, that trade. Moving on up to other more pressing matters, uh, the Brewers have seemed to solve their backup catcher situation by signing Eric Haas. Haas is a guy who has spent time with the Detroit Tigers and the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, his best seasons with the Tigers came in 2021 and 2022. Across those uh, seasons, uh, he had a 103 OPS plus in 2021 and a 112 OPS plus in 2022. Hit 20, uh, hit 22 homers in 2021. 14 homers in 2022. So a lot of uh, uh, that was carried by some of the slugging, not a high OBP guy by any means. Last year really struggled across uh, those two organizations I mentioned. Uh, 89 games with a 45 OPS plus, four homers, 26 RBIs. Not graded out metrically as a very good defensive catcher, but we know Charlie Green and Walker McKinvin just salivate at the thought of uh, getting a a poor reputationally defensive catcher into that catching lab and turning them into the next pitch frame. God, we've seen them do it many times, but uh, yeah, one of the things that uh, I think is important to note about Eric Haas is uh, this is the stopgap measure that we were anticipating with what they would do for the backup catcher position. Um, I think, you know, in our pie in the sky dreams, we, we had uh visions of the Garver gambit dancing around in our head where he could uh, be the backup catcher for a few months and then be a full-time DH uh, world series champion, Mitch Garver. Um, but obviously this type of move makes a lot of sense, given how close to being big league ready Jefferson Caro is. Um, so Eric costs in as the backup catcher, replacing Victor Caratini, who's off to the Astros. Thank you for your service, Victor. And Eric Haas is a brewer. I think I saw a, vid- a video going around on Twitter of him hitting a pair of home runs at AmFam. So, you know, we'd love to see that uh, once a week or so. That certainly doesn't hurt. I think the key thing here is, um, particularly coming from 
a catcher who I don't want to make this kind of I don't want to make oversell it because we know there were limitations to what Caratini brought offensively, but Caratini was a great backup catcher for the Brewers. It's very tough to ask for much more than that. Um, I think there's just plenty to be like, cool. Has fits the bill for what you would be quite happy with. Has had some good seasons. And certainly, if you got one of those, you'd be really pleased. But maybe most importantly of all there is every reason to believe he is going to be a stopgap um, and Jefferson Cairo will come and fill that role in a much more exciting way, in a way that may deliver more pop as the season goes on. So they're in the weird spot of needing to go and get a backup catcher. You had to go and get one, but you also couldn't necessarily or wouldn't want to go and get someone who was going to, you know, bar the way for, one of your most exciting prospects on the rise to come and play a role this season too. And that's probably even more relevant when we get to some of the other moves that have been made and what it might mean, for example, for what like DH opportunities might look like and how that trickles down to Contreras and then what that means from there. It's, I think it will be pretty well managed where Haas will hopefully be a steady pair of hands, but the Brewers don't need him all too often. Hopefully, the catching lab get their uh, get their thing going and they help Eric has to frame a little bit better than he has really to this point there's no reason to believe that they can't do that the track record is there and if they do we'll be very happy I'm sure what we get from Eric has until the point where it becomes Jefferson Caro time you know I was uh, on uh, the Detroit Tigers YouTube uh, to learn how to pronounce Haas's name uh, mostly there's a nice video from last offseason of him just hanging out with his family he seems like a, a you know a family man down to earth type so you know just good character guy into the clubhouse i assume uh that is the degree of re- research i did into that was watching that one youtube video i knew, so, you, know. I knew you were gonna put qualifiers <laughs> in just in case next week you found out like that i don't know he kills cats or something i just you had to you had to play it safe and i'm i'm glad that you did I'm a dog guy, Adam. Wouldn't shake me a bit. Um. Anyway, uh, yes, it would shake me. I I love my brother's cat, Jackie. She's a wonderful cat. Um. Yeah, I don't think we we have too much more to say about that. The next topic that is on our radar, I think, is one that relates a bit to some discussion we would have had uh during our outfield grades podcast because Matt Arnold obviously when signing Jackson Chorio to the extension. Uh, a few weeks ago, the discussion was about the logjam of outfielders. You've got Chorio in the mix. You've got Christian Yelich, obviously, still there. Sal Freelich, Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, and Tyrone Taylor um, as guys who, you know, are there. And you, you don't have enough spots for all of them. And now we know one player that is not going to be back with the Milwaukee Brewers in 2024. That is Tyrone Taylor. The Brewers have traded him along with Adrian Hauser to the New York Mets. David Stearns reaching out to his old buddy, Matt Arnold, and uh, asking for uh, some of his old favorites, I guess. Who knows? Uh, the return for this is a prospect uh, who has reached uh, as high as AA in Coleman Crow, a starting pitcher, right-handed guy. He will miss probably most of this season after undergoing Tommy John surgery last season. Uh, was ranked 29th in the Mets system by MLB Pipeline. But uh, 
doing some reading and baseball America seems like a, an intriguing pickup, obviously just will not factor in for, for quite a bit. Um, more surprised about the Hauser aspect of this trade than I am uh, the um, Tyrone Taylor aspect of this trade, because obviously we knew some kind of trade w was going to come from that outfield mix because there just weren't enough spots for <laughs> all of those guys. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, but yeah, kind of a, a surprising thing given the timing uh, dropped in the middle of our day. But I think uh, when we come down to it, uh, it's something that tracks with what the Brewers do as an organization. And it's something that I think uh, you and I really have wrapped our heads around and we understand it, even if it did come as a surprise dealing from starting pitching depth during an offseason where we still expect them to trade Corbin Burns. Uh, Hauser's in his final year of arbitration, uh, estimated salary of $5 million. Uh, this was the first year of arbitration uh, for Tyrone Taylor, uh, estimated around $1.3 million in 2024, so clearing about $6-plus million um, from that arbitration number. But, uh, yeah, I will let you talk now. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a trade that when you see it come in, it's hard to feel great about it. <laughs> Uh, because I think for me it was more, and this is kind of a weird and interesting development. But I thought Adrian Hazard did a lot of good work late last year, and we already talked about it when we graded starting pitchers. That I had a pretty high degree of confidence that he'd be very solid and kind of do what Adrian Hazard does, um, this year and be an important part of what could be an, you know, interesting and ever changing. Brewers pitching staff. So when you're giving up him, you're kind of like, oh, okay. Longest tenure Brewer, of course, as well. And then when Tyron Taylor's added into the mix, I guess this is going to come down to personal preference because there have long been some people who are like Tyron Taylor diehards who believe that he is it. And it was just every season there was this moment where he just proved, you know, the breakout's coming. This is going to be finally the time he puts together. Another player who honestly pretty pretty good in the later parts of last season and important for the Brewers. Um, albeit that, you know, the Brewers, it all ended up being for nothing, Andrew. A very, very short postseason appearance. But Tyra Taylor played his part as they kind of put their foot to the floor and power it on and made sure that they were winning the division. They were going to be playing playoff baseball. At the same time, I just really feel like I have long since seen enough. Um, It's just, it's not, it's not it for me. And at this age, there's nothing to wait for. And we talked about the decision that was obvious once Jackson Churio signed his deal that you're going to have to make space in the outfield. And did that mean trading Joey Weimer, trading Garrett Mitchell, Sal Freelich? You know, what kind of offers are coming in and would you move one of those guys? I think this is the better option. It may not be the better option for your total wins, although I don't think it will drastically change it next year. Um, But I do think in the longer term, for all the flaws Joey Weimer had, there's some good there defensively. And if you worked it out, you would not want to have just moved them on to keep Tyrone Taylor, for example. Um, Garrett Mitchell, 
you'll have concern over what he's going to look like after such a serious injury, after the layoff. But there is no doubting that he showed some really great stuff in the limited opportunity he had with the Brewers. Sal Freelich may have hit a little bit of a wall, but he's been one of your top prospects for a couple of years. And he certainly delivered his share of standout plays and moments where you'd feel pretty good about him being a part of your long-term future. And with all of that, and with a season where this team might take a step back to take two steps forward, hopefully, give me all the kids. Give me them battling it out, Andrew. Let's see some fun, energetic baseball. And the whole, you know, the freshman just becomes more than just you know, a one season. That was a convenient YouTube content idea where it becomes something where we are seeing kind of outfields on, you know, certain days, maybe when Yelly is DHing or he's got an off day and it's, it's all relatively young prospects. And that will mean, yeah, some days will be ugly because they're figuring it out. But if that starts to click, you're then in a place where you're set for multiple years and you can really get excited about the core that you've built. And you should also have your depth built into it too. So I like this young group with Yelly. And I think we've gone from a place where outfield was, I guess before infield has now become that area of really pressing concern. There have been times when we've been doing this podcast that the outfield has been the area where it felt like the Brewers were most lacking. And certainly when it's come time for, you know, trade deadlines approaching, it often has felt like we've been looking for outfield help. That is all gone. And there's a pretty clear picture. And now we got to hope that these young guys come true and deliver. But I think it's a good idea that the Brewers are going to get a chance to kind of watch them all and go through that. And maybe some who started fast cool off and don't look so great the other side, and maybe some who started slower find something and become better players to the other side. But you just buy yourself a little bit more time with some of your better young players in the big leagues before having to make a judgment, and that's a win. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The MLB trade rumors uh, projections on Hauser and uh, Taylor I see now are also 5.6 million to Hauser, 1.7 Taylor. So if those projections are true, that's seven million or so dollars to play with in terms of, you know, finding your starting first baseman or something like that. Adam, I know you told me as soon as this deal went down, you're like the Carlos Santana news uh, is coming next. So so we will, as soon as we hop off this, that's when that's going to come out. And uh, who's the, who's uh, the other team I'm blanking on? Cause we probably won't mention that. The Nationals. 
the Nationals, that's right. So the Brewers have been mentioned as down to the last two teams on Carlos Santana, them and the Nationals. Uh, yeah, the man that slayed Matt Bush, you're you're welcome back, uh, Carlos. Would love to see you back with the Brewers. Obviously, there's risks there with his age and uh, some of the trends of uh, his performance trending downward. But he was good league average bat for the Brewers last year, and if he come do that again, you know it's it's better than some alternatives. Um, yeah, I think um, trading one of the the younger guys would have made sense if there was that obvious uh, like for like change of scenery deal with another post-type prospect. But like you said a few weeks ago, like that's just such a hard deal to pull off. Um, and so, you don't. I don't think you want to then sell low on one of the players. I mean, uh, a guy whose work I shout out on here a lot, uh, Jack Stern of Brew Crew Ball did a, a good uh, piece kind of outlining uh, strengths and weaknesses uh, of each guy. And that included Tyrone Taylor and what their trade market could look at. I mean, we know the, the strengths and weaknesses for for them all and so do teams that would potentially be trading for them so you know garrett mitchell uh injuries high strikeout rate high ground ball rate um but has performed well in terms of his surface level numbers joey weimer obviously we know the loud swing that he's trying to clean up with all the moving parts um but great defensively that that's also to be said for mitchell as well great defensively weimer did provide value last year against left-handers uh so he's a guy if he can figure out how to hit lefties at at least a reliable clip. He's a platoon option fourth outfielder that can go chase down a ball in center field. South Freelick, obviously probably the highest floor of everyone with the patience and the hit tool, but you wonder if he's ever going to tap into power. And once again, another really, really good defensive player. So if you're not going to get a deal that makes sense for flipping one of these guys before you know what they are, I do agree with you that I like the idea of like, let's take the risk of us figuring out that they're not major league contributors, but let's, Let's be the ones that find that out because, you know, no one's knocking down our door with an offer that's really going to blow us away and us just risk missing on a prospect that at a certain time uh, we were really fond of. So I think, uh, like you said, uh, Chorio is going to be that centerpiece in center field, we presume. And then Yelich obviously can get some at-bats at DH plenty this season if that's used as sort of a revolving door type of position between him and William Contreras mostly, I think uh, would make a lot of sense. And then you can find at-bats for Freelick, Weimer, Mitchell, and see what they are. Um, like, I, I I trust Matt Arnold in if he's holding on to these guys, uh, he's doing it for a reason, and that's because they believe that there is something there. And if it, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I mean, um Maybe I'm wrong and they flip one of these guys in a, in a month. But for now, I kind of like betting on the guys that have come up through your system that you've obviously been, uh, like you said, heavily marketing as the future of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. Uh, I like uh, going in with that angle, then hanging on to Taylor, a guy who admittedly uh, did show flashes last year and rided value performance. But you kind of know what he is. And with these three, you don't know what they are yet. You have some concerns that are very valid. And then you also have reasons for optimism. Um, so, yeah, I think we're in agreement there. And uh, we'll talk more specifically about their 2023 performance next week. <laughs> um, the Hauser of it all. I, we can kind of get into that. Like you said, did really good work last year. We expected him to slot back into the rotation um, next year. Uh, or I guess before, let, let's let's leave that for now. Um 
first I want to talk about the the guy they got in um Coleman Crow, who I did not know anything about until the Rule Five draft a few weeks ago, and some uh I guess people that do some work around that were talking about him as a potential Rule Five pickup for people. Obviously, you you draft him, and I and I think you're able to put him on the sixty day IL in that case since it's had Tommy John. And then if you keep him in your organization, the Rule 5 stipulations would kick in the following year. I think that's how that works. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, uh, got up to double A uh, and started this season out pretty damn well before the injury. He had had uh, four starts, 24 innings, and um, had a 1.88 ERA with the uh, Rocket City Trash Pandas. Am I reading that uh, name correctly or did I just have a stroke? Um, who can say, uh, Matt Arnold, uh, seemed pretty enamored with his curveball, called him a bulldog, said that the breaking ball is top end and he has a bulldog mentality on the mound. Uh, I guess the optimistic, ex uh, projections on Crow would be that he's, uh, kind of a mid to back half of the rotation guy, uh, up to 95 with the fastball, but I think, uh, sits more low nineties, um, Six feet tall, 175 pounds, so slender. You know, I'd love to be six feet tall, Adam, but based on how tall most pitchers are, I'm gonna I'm gonna count him uh, as uh, based on comparison a short king. So uh, welcome aboard uh, to to Coleman Crow. Yeah, I mean some good stuff here. I mean, obviously the headline on the bad side is the Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Um, the fact that we are hearing you know we may see him at some level later in the season and um, that's what Matt Arnold is talking about that's something I mean at least it's not a case of he's out for all of 2024 um, but we'll see the Matt Arnold talking about him being a guy that they've kind of had their eye on for quite some time is interesting because that's maybe a level beyond just the everyday platitudes that will come out when you've acquired a player who maybe wasn't even the sole intention of your trade. It might have been to, I don't know, save $7 million in arbitration. Um, but I think there is a lot about what Coleman Crow does, what snippets he's shown so far that do make it seem like maybe this is the kind of project that the Brewers would like to take a closer look at. Um, I I know I saw, is it Spencer Michaels? Have I got that right? I think the, the account who regularly tweets out Brewers content, he shared a Baseball America screenshot on Michaels and I know I shared with you earlier, which I'll read Yeah, here. I've got that article up. You've got the article up. Do you have the author? Actually, I don't have the author. The the article. The article. author is uh, Mark Chiarelli, baseball man, who said, "I first mentioned in early May how his his being Coleman Crow, how his curveball has some of the highest horizontal sweep and spin rate of any curve in baseball. In fact, it is the most glove side run of any curveball in the upper levels, including the majors. He doesn't stop there. His forcing fastball, in large part due to his low release slot." has an extremely flat vertical approach angle leading to whiffs, especially up in the zone. He also throws a high-spin slider with 10 inches of horizontal sweep that elicits above-average chases and weak contact with a curveball bordering on double-plus, an above-average four-seamer, and a solid slider. 
Crow has mid-rotation potential, assuming he can make a full recovery. End quote. Obviously, that last part is quite the assumption to make. Um, but everything that goes before it is kind of worth a flyer if you're just like, hey, we're we're looking to the future. We're kind of we're we're offloading some money. We're also trying to create some playing time, kind of move some of the guys who maybe are are past the point that they're going to be central to things because we'll talk Hauser and we'll talk the pitching side of this in a second. Um, I, there's a lot there to be intrigued by. May never work out, may never work out because of the injury and because of the surgery he's just coming off the back of. We have seen it doesn't have to be the end of a baseball player's career anymore, quite far from it. And if he can, if he can regain anything like what he was doing, like this, this stuff is there. He's got enough that's interesting that I can see why the Brewers would like a closer look. And this is a trade that in the moment, a lot of people could be underwhelmed or even angry about. But if he makes a full recovery and all of that stuff continues to play and he moves up to levels, this could be one that like two years from now looks like an absolutely insane steal from the Brewers. And... That's not bad. I mean, could you have got better than I think he was the 29th prospect in the Mets system? Maybe, but sometimes you see something in the 29th prospect in another team system and that's the guy you want. So we'll find out. I mean, we haven't really got into the maybe we'll do this at the end the the dealing parties here, you know? The Matt Arnold David Stearns of it all. Um, the first trade that they have made between them, each other. We'll, we'll talk about that maybe after we run through all the player stuff. Uh, yeah. Let's talk. Let's no. Let's talk about that because I think it's a good time for it. And then the final topic of discussion. We've gotten Taylor out of the way. We've talked about what we like about Coleman Crow. We talked about Hauser. Well, after this, we'll talk about how Hauser being removed from the rotation mix changes things and what we think about that. And that'll take us into reporting. So we're in a good spot, Adam, because I do want to touch on this uh, from Kurt Hogue. Uh, David Stearns has been busy acquiring former Brewers this winter, Adrian Hauser, Tyrone Taylor, Jorge Lopez, Cam Robinson, Cooper Hummel, Hummel, uh, Taylor, Tyler, geez, Tyler Heineman. Each player was in the org while Stearns was Brewers GM slash Pobo. He had a hand in acquiring the last three two draft, one trade. And the way I described it, it's like you're in your ex-wife's house, you know, dropping off the alimony check or something. I don't know what you're doing. And you're just going in the garage and you're just grabbing all the stuff that you say was yours or that you liked. You didn't appreciate it at the time, but you're like, now I want that. So, yeah. Well, will this be the last time Matt Arnold and David Stearns make a deal this offseason? I don't know. I don't know, Adam. Uh, This offseason, maybe. But there is certainly a level of convenience here. Like the uh, the way when this happened and I gave it any thought was that immediately it's like, okay, obviously the Brewers decided they wanted to move on from these two guys, didn't wanna didn't wanna go to arbitration. I mean, I think Hauser was gonna be due like five point two five million dollars, which as much as I like Adrian Hauser is quite a lot. And if he had a down season, you wouldn't be very happy about paying him that much. Um so I'm guessing the first port of call, literally, I doubt Matt Arnold's calling anyone else first other than David Stearns. I'd be like, yeah, I've got a Tyrone Taylor and an Adrian Hauser that I just want to give away here. Maybe in my head, I'm 
like playing this out too much like you know the scene of Moneyball is that how everyone now imagines baseball trades going down um, yeah they flew there <laughs> maybe there was some real kind of there was some nagging of Coleman Crow before eventually settling I don't know um, but yeah it just feels like the Brewers made a decision on what they wanted to do and if Matt Arnold is like picking up a phone to call anyone <laughs> I'm guessing the first person he calls is the guy he worked with for many years so this probably got done pretty quickly it's like, hey, David, you don't even know who Coleman Crow is, that kind of a thing. Um, I'm trying to think, like, who's the Jonah Hill in this situation that's just, like, so stoked when they get Coleman Crow over the line? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just talking crazy now. Um, so that brings us to, obviously, another point of discussion, because, like I said, when I first saw the trade come down, my surprise and came not from Tyrone Taylor, but from Adrian Hauser being in this trade. Um, the Brewers have obviously been busy this offseason, mostly by fortifying their starting pitching depth. Um, so now that leaves the rotation uh, in a spot that's, you know, still flexible. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna call it like this as I go down the options, Adam. I'm, uh, all right, we'll start with Corbin Burns slash young major league ready pitcher acquired for Corbin Burns. That's what I'm putting there. Freddie Peralta, obviously, Wade Miley, uh, Colin Ray, Joe Ross, who Adam McAlvey noted last week that they're viewing as a starter, Robert Gasser, uh, potentially Aaron Ashby if he gets healthy, and then you got Jansen Junkin, Nashville as a depth option. Still, I think Evan McKendry's still in the organization, so that's another guy you could view as like a starter that you need in a pinch. Uh, have I said Carlos Rodriguez? If I didn't, you have Carlos Rodriguez. Um, Carlos Rodriguez. And then, you know, maybe towards the end of the season, Jacob Mizorowski, don't know what his workload will look like. Uh, obviously, there are questions of whether or not people think he can be a, a starter at the big league level. But for now, we'll throw him into that mix at the very least, maybe a multi-inning or high leverage reliever um, at some point. I think that mix, factoring in my variable of Corbin Burns either being Corbin Burns or a pitcher that you're ready to slot in a rotation a la Ryan Pepio, who the Rays acquired for Tyler Glass now. I think that's enough. Uh, I think that's fine. They're in a good spot. I was a little concerned about dealing from that depth initially, and that made me wonder if they were going to look to add it to the rotation still. And when I finally just saw the names in front of me, I, I came to the cl- conclusion that, yeah, that, that's fine. I'm, I was a, a little concerned at first, but that, that's where I've landed. Yeah, I mean, I... I think they probably I'd I'd order things slightly different, maybe to how you are but again, depending on if a trade happens and what it is. Um I think Robert Gasser is probably in a really good spot to get maybe the fifth starting spot to start the season. And Colin Ray could be the bullpen guy and everyone kind of moves up around that. Um we'll see. I they've got lots of options still. I mean, Hauser is one of the the kind of knowns, I guess, which losing that is going to make people uncomfortable. But there's got to be an element that you got to trust this. And yeah, the rotation isn't going to be, certainly it isn't going to be headed by like the Corbin, Woody, Freddy kind of tree-headed monster. You've lost at least one of those. It could be two by the time opening day comes around. But 
you're gonna manage your way through games pretty well all the same i I think you've got guys who can pitch guys who will give you a chance and then it will come down to so it gets really scary for Brewers fans but can you get more out of your offense or what what does it look like there if you're in games can you go and perform and that in games now might be that you're kind of spotting three and four runs more often as opposed to one run. And it just will mean there needs to be a slight uptick in the offense. Um, is that going to happen? It's going to, it's going to take internally some of these young guys to make the leap, but there is a reason with some of them to believe it could happen. So we'll see. I think that the shape of the pitching staff is not a cause for panic because they've traded Adrian Hazard. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, there was uh there was a lot of activity on Twitter around the time of the trade. A lot of people or some people angry and confused. Our dear friend Numac just uh not not taking it well, not taking the Brewers offseason well at all. Um so if you see Numac out and about Milwaukee, I want you to do one thing. I want you to walk up to him, give him a hug, and I want you to say that's from Andrew. It's all gonna be okay. It's all gonna be okay. Uh, let's talk about the guy at the top of that rotation currently, uh, Corbin Burns, obviously for the better part of a year, uh, on this podcast, in the discord on corners across Al Gore's internet, a topic of conversation has been, when will Corbin Burns be moved? And I think, uh, obviously that's lended, uh, itself to reporting on all corners of the internet. That's not quite reporting anything. It's more just saying more words and speculating. And that brings us back to an old friend, Adam, uh, Ken Rosenthal, who listens to the pod. Uh, if, you know, if you're, if you're ever uh, in the area, Ken, uh, come through, we can, we can have beers. Um, his latest speculation on Burns is, uh, quoting Rosenthal here, the Milwaukee Brewers' willingness to trade right-hander Corbin Burns remains unclear. But the possibility exists that the team might carry Burns into the season because of owner Mark Adonazio's desire to compete and avoid the type of backlash the team received for trading Josh Hader at the 2022 deadline, according to Major League sources briefed on the team's thinking. Now, that doesn't tell me these Major League sources have talked to anyone that would lead them to believe that this is something that's being consideration. It says, familiar with the team's thinking. I got to say it, Adam. Yoshinobu Yamamoto has not been signed yet. Until that happens, we are not going to get any real news about Corbin Burns because Matt Arnold is playing this exactly how he should. He's waiting to see how the market shapes up and waiting to see who's going to panic, give him the best offer. And I think that's what's going to happen. All the speculation about Corbin staying and potentially uh, being the opening day starter, I, I just think it's a smokescreen to a degree, or maybe just people assuming certain things. The way this organization is run, similarly to the Rays, maybe not as ruthlessly as the Rays with just uh, flipping a pitcher at the exact same point in their career every time. Go read Michael Bauman's article on Fangraphs, uh, Fangraphs about, uh, I think his article was, I know exactly when the Rays are going to trade Ryan Pepio, which was a, a really good premise to build around because Pepio obviously is who uh, they acquired with Johnny DeLuca 
or Tyler Glass now. Uh, I think the Glass now thing is an outlier in terms of this market. And as it's accelerating, he's from the area. He's had a lot of injury issues in the past and had a willingness to sign an extension for that reason. So I think like push that aside. I think there's a degree that we can learn uh, about Corbin Burns return, despite uh, obviously that trade being contingent on the extension, because I think the Brewers should expect to get similar value. That's a major league ready starting pitcher and a major league ready outfielder. Um, And that was uh, uh, with the, the Rays also dumping Manny Marco on, on the Dodgers. So I think that's just like completely in its own little box because I've seen kind of that be brought up in the discussion too. I, the Yamamoto needs to sign and then we can have like real good faith conversations about hmm. where Corbin Burns is going to go and who is like interested in him and what they're offering. That's my take on the matter. I think it's reasonable. I think the only thing with like the Morosi reporting was like mentioning obviously the Giants need a starter and they're just kind of in this mix but I don't know something. I haven't I haven't really thought enough about that in terms of what a Giants package would look like. But then I think they were also one of the teams mentioned for Willie, right? With interest in Willie, yeah. And I I really don't see a way that they'd get both of those guys out of the Brewers. And yeah, as as you've alluded to, we're we're dealing with mixed messages and conflicting reports and all sorts. I do think it makes sense as in why we'd be waiting and in some ways why Corbin Burns is kind of the next car off the the rank. But yeah, we'll see. Look, uh, it's it's kind of tough from a Brewers perspective. Maybe not for the organization. They might be quite content with it, but it's like even moves like the moves that happened today, which in the larger scale things are quite minor compared to what a Corbin Burns trade will be. But it's hard to fully get a read on what they are or how they look like in the grander scheme of things when kind of time is ticking on and it's, it feels like, you know, well, maybe Corbin's sticking around. And then just like that, just as you'd start to think that he could be gone. um, I still think he will be. And honestly, the way just the tenor of reporting makes me think that more now than even a couple of weeks ago. I've always kind of been on that side. I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, what we haven't really kind of dived into here is the idea or the psychology of, you know, well, Mark is uh, the man rather than, than Matt Arnold. It's Mark Adonazio who's kind of making the final decision here. And this sense that, well, he's he's wary of another Josh Hader situation where you create a backlash against fan, or there's a, a fan backlash against the organization, against him. Um, if there is any truth to that, or if that is how this plays out, oh my God, like talk about learning all the wrong things. The reason there was that backlash with the Josh Hader trade is because your team was in first place and it was in the middle of the season. Not because, you know, <laughs> it, even we're, we're not even at the same point. We're a few months away from getting to the point with Hader that we now are with Corbin Burns, which is him going into the final year under contract. So they are completely different situations, or if you treat those the same, I'm sorry, you might be an idiot because you've just got to treat this on its merits of this is one of the most valuable pitchers in all of baseball. You've got him under contract for one year. You will not be able to keep him. He knows that. You know that. So let's get something and cash in now because as much as you want to be competitive, 
I think you can still be very competitive without him. And you'll be more competitive in the years to come if you make a good trade and you move on from him now. So I guess that's the other detail out there lurking is this idea that it might be even more troubling when you look at like today's trade and moving on from Hauser and Taylor. If that's like Matt Arnold being like, yeah, I want to I want to lean into kind of a youth movement. I'm prepared to take a step back. And let's play the young guys. Let's see what we've got. And let's hopefully reap the rewards. If then on the biggest chip that's in play for the Brewers, Mark Adonazio is controlling that. And with a different idea, that would not be ideal. The same token, I still think he'll be traded. And I don't necessarily agree with the idea that Mark is probably just going to dig his heels in and be like, I don't care what you think, Matt Arnold. Corbin Bird stays. Maybe I'm wrong. I got to say, that would be no way to run a baseball team if you're letting petty emotions dictate uh, your decision-making, especially when you want to operate with the kind of payrolls you operate with. That would just be silly. Um, hey, <laughs> uh, you know, 100 millionaires do crazy things sometimes, Adam, so who's to say? Um, yeah, if they were going to go into opening day with Burns as on the roster as the starter, you'd really want to see them additionally making upgrades to the offense that are going to be meaningful and you're going for it since and because i don't expect them to do that i think yeah it makes all the sense in the world to trade your most valuable asset rather than lose them for the draft pick compensation because as we talked about a few weeks ago the idea that you're going into the season with corbin burns on your roster and just saying okay we can trade him at the deadline if we're out of contention what does out of contention mean like the way the playoff structure is set up in baseball now, like you would have to be just complete out and out failures if you're all the way out of the race to the point that you're trading Corbin Burns. So if you're keeping Corbin Burns, that needs to be with the full intent of him being on your roster and starting another playoff game for you. Not like, oh, we'll flip him if we suck. I don't I don't like that idea. Um so yeah, um it's just like people trying to read into situations that they don't have very good intel on and just not grasping at straws necessarily, but just trying to talk to themselves through all the scenarios. And that's fine for people like me and you on a fan podcast. But when the reporters are doing it once a week, like it just becomes tiresome as a fan. Um, but maybe that's just me. Uh, you did mention uh, the Morosi report. I think he was on hot stove. Um, with Matt Vaskirchen and Harold Reynolds today, um, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah, he was the first to say that his sources were telling him that the Brewers are talking to multiple teams on both Burns and Adamas and that they're both available. So that flies in the face of what Rosenthal has kind of pivoted to the last few weeks after originally going into the offseason being all in 100%. The Brewers are open for business. So, yeah, it's just it's all over the place. Um yeah, the the Willie aspect of it all um, is an interesting conversation as well. I'm kind of less sold that they'll trade him this offseason, but I guess uh, if they were to trade Adamas, I think a Burns trade comes first, and you see what the return is for him. And if you've got one of the Orioles' young shortstops as a replacement for him, then that makes a lot of sense to trade him after that fact. But I think the, the Burns domino needs to fall first. Yeah, and again, it's tied to other deals around 
baseball and just seeing exactly how this thing takes shape and who's left on the table as potential suitors. Like, I think he should be traded, but that doesn't just mean trade him for the sake of trading him. If if there's not right. a, a return that's worth your while, well, then you don't trade him. So we have to see what happens with the dominoes that are going to fall before it gets to Corbin to be like, okay, is there a deal worth making? And uh, obviously he switched from CAA, I believe, to Boris prior to this season. Um, so uh, as he mentioned on foul territory this week, um, you know, he wants to get to free agency. I think he didn't out and out say it, but he didn't really beat around the bush. He was uh, he, pretty clear. He was pretty clear. He he said he'd have to be like wowed by an extension yeah. offer. That not great said, for not I, great for a leverage. I get I understand he's not gonna say much else than that, but not ideal for the Brewers. But I as we well know, Corbin Burns does not feel like he owes the Milwaukee Brewers anything. No, he doesn't. Um that being said, I agree. But he doesn't that... he actually doesn't, to be clear on that. Other than maybe a better performance in the playoffs. That would have been nice, but Yeah, it would have been. Um <laughs> What's the cost of a playoff loss, Adam? Who can say? We got a number in my head, though. Um, but yeah, I agree that Matt Arnold doesn't need to just go make a deal to make a deal because obviously, even Glass now did sign the extension, so that's a different factor here. But Corbin Burns stays healthy and he gives you innings and he gives you innings at a reliable clip. He had a lot of blips on the radar last year, but it was still a really good season. I think like the sixth best. ERA for qualified starters in the National League. That's not nothing to a team that really feels like they need to add to their rotation. And so they should have to pay fair value for that. Um, and obviously, he'll go to free agency, but getting him in your clubhouse for a season, um, I think also does have some value. And if he seems to fit in well and likes it and likes his teammates and you win, and that helps you in any kind of negotiations the following offseason, that's not nothing either. So I think waiting out the market and playing it out and like making someone make you that godfather offer, I think is the right way to play it. And it's just, uh, you know, Adam, I know for the longest time you were used to the uh, NBA off season and it's just fast and furious. I mean, we were able to plan live shows around it in uh, past summers and we'd have stuff to talk about. And for this, it's just that slow trickle, like a, a backup catcher here, a trade of Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor here. And it just slowly comes out, which is probably better for content purposes, but not good for us and our desire to have that big fish finally get hooked on the line. And like, then we can start looking to the future and start talking about all of the uh, up and coming players that we're excited about. But yeah, another week in the Corbin Burns saga. Uh, Yamamoto, Yamamoto's, I think, posting window deadline is January 4th. So, you know, maybe maybe sometime around the new year, he signs and the starting uh, pitching market just flies off the handle. Maybe. Let's see. Maybe. My uh, birthday is the fifth. Can we get like a Corbin Burns trade for my birthday? A DL Hall and a Kobe Mayo as a treat. (laughs) That sounds nice. Let's hope so, Andrew. Let's hope so. I think that does it, right? Is that everything? Yeah, I think that's mostly everything. You know, I just I just want to provide value. So sometimes I talk in circles just to, you know, fill up the the stat sheet. Listen, you always provide value. There's no need to worry there. 
Uh, so to all of you listeners, we hope that you have a great Christmas. You enjoy the holiday season. We won't be away for very long. You'll hear from us, I'm sure, probably in a few days after that. And we'll see what the birds do. Um, but yeah, whatever you got plans, hope you enjoy it. As always, check out all of the GSPN podcasts. With the Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed, home to all things Milwaukee books. That's the Eurostep with Tywin and Sharon Caddy and winning six with myself and Jordan Tresky. I mean, you might find yourself watching some books over Christmas if you're a listener to this podcast. So if you want more conversation around the team, Eurostep Podcast Network. You may also find yourself watching some Green Bay Packers. And if you want more conversation around that team, you can go check out Talk of the Tundra with Neil Mack and Jordan Tresky. Conversation is a lot better than the defense. Wow, that's savage, Andrew. Little, little my team sense. sucks, so I'm used to watching. So you're allowed. Football. You're allowed. You're yeah. I don't think that makes anyone better when you're like my team sucks, and I recognize that in this team. Well, I also watched how bad Baker Mayfield was for my team last year, and he looked like the best quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life against that defense. So you tell me, Joe Barry. You tell me if I'm crazy. And last, but by no means least, for movies, pop culture, and other things, we've got to make time for this with myself and Andrew. Until next time, thanks again to all of you listening. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks, Thanks, Adam. Happy holidays.